Welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot Magoot. And uh, we've got a really, I, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, it's something I've wanted to talk about for a long time, even though, um, I'll be totally honest, I, I think this whole concept is is a little stupid, in a sense. <laughs> uh, no, no, <laughs> what it, a great way it, to start. No, no, it, like, okay, so we're, we're talking about Desert Island Discs, which, for those who don't know, is a popular uh, BBC radio show uh, wherein they invite musicians over and basically, you know, they create the theoretical situation that this musician is stuck on a desert island and they have a number of recordings that they can bring with them and, you know, uh, you know, along with like some books and things like that. And so, you know, the entire uh, radio show is basically just the musician talking about it. And then sometimes they'll play a little bit of the track or like of a certain song and things like that. And um, I, I've been getting into uh, the show recently, or I, I got into it. Tom York was on it not too long ago, and um, I found it. I found his uh, contributions to it to be really interesting. And you know, honestly, I I I don't like like I think before I really got into Radiohead, I think I judged Tom York to be kind of an asshole, and I, I guess he was for a little bit. I mean, he, he even said so, but like he was just super like soft spoken. And just super nice on that episode. Um, just seemed very down to earth. So, but uh, yeah, anyway, I mean that's totally the impression he gives off. Even you know, I've I think I've always had a positive opinion of Radiohead. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of liked them. I didn't grow to love them as much as I do now until later. But you know, pretty Same much here. right off the bat, I was like, yeah, this guy seems a little pretentious. But yeah, but the, the thing is, like you know, listening to him, like he really isn't. Yeah, he, isn't, like, he really just, you know, he like, I, and I think you know, and he admitted as such that I think for a long time he wasn't like that. But I don't know. He, I, I just, I really enjoyed the episode. I recommend anybody who's even a vague Radiohead fan to check it out because it's a really, really fun uh, episode that goes over sort of his own uh, biography a little bit and sort of the early days of Radiohead and sort of behind the scenes of certain albums and things like that. It was a really cool uh, thing. And so basically I, you know, I thought we could talk about our desert island list uh, after um, I ended up seeing uh, there's a, there's a let's player out there uh, on YouTube who had a certain, uh, he had like his own like desert island games. And he even admitted to such that this idea is kind of stupid in a sense, because, you know, like think about it, like you're, you're basically like Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks and Castaway, Tom Cruise and Castaway. Think about that. Um, <laughs> no, um, you're basically Tom Hanks and Castaway, where like you're stuck in a desert island, but yet somehow you have the technology to be able to play music. Yeah. So it's so it's it, it's it's kind of a screwy, uh, you know, scenario. Um, you know, so, but but I think it's more talking about you know I think. It's not exactly, you know, someone's favorites as much as it is what somebody can stand to be around with, like to, to be with for, you know, theoretically the rest of their lives. Yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting sort of take on favorites, on like, you know, favorite albums and essential albums and things like that. And um, so our basically our list uh, before we get into it is 
going to be sort of split up into a couple different ways. The the idea is that we're stuck on a desert island. I, I'm, I'm assuming alone. Um, yeah. And so we have, uh, we, we created sort of a different couple scenarios, but, you know, in all of them, we have, you know, the ability to access music, uh, you know, whether it's on a CD or what have you. Like, but we, we, we can play the stuff without bother. We can survive without worrying about anything else. We're just kind of cut off, stuck in this little island, cut off from the rest of the world. Um, but we decided to sort of do four different categories, I guess. So first, uh, just single tracks that we would bring. Second, um, albums. And then third is sort of like box sets and compilations. Um, and then fourth is just we kind of just pick our favorites from all four of those. And uh, we're sort of doing 10 each for both of them. So uh, it's probably better to just get right down to it. Um so Scott, let's talk about um single tracks. Um, I, I just thought we'd just sort of bounce them off each other. Yeah. So I mean, th- this um, this is the hardest category, I think, because when you boil it down to, I mean, there's so many songs I love more so than I think there are more individual songs I love than albums because they're you know certain artists you know one hit wonders or artists in general I don't like but I like specific songs from them i yeah. think that the number one song uh, i thought about this for a while but the song that just immediately fills me with with joy and that i think i'll listen to and, and be as happy about uh listening to it forever regardless of this scenario otherwise is september by earth wind and fire it is so weird that you bring that up because i actually bought Earth, Wind, and Fire's uh, best of compilation the other day. Oh, really? Because it was it was literally it was ninety nine cents at Newbury Comics. Well, there you go. Yeah, and I was like, like I, this is how can I not buy this? <laughs> but yes, yeah, that, that's such a great song. Yeah, like, I, I mean, the, it's just it, yeah. it's one of those songs that, um, I, I think for me, what what defines some of the greatest songs we ever ever heard or, or you know we've we've ever ever been recorded is that they. S- the chorus isn't the main highlight for me. Like just the the beginning yeah. baseline, the way that everything builds to open up the track is just as good as the core. Obviously, the chorus is dynamite, but for me, I just love everything about this song. And every single time it comes on, whether it's on the radio, and actually, Lauren and I um, have the the Grace Hits collection from somewhere down the line. You know, every every time it comes on, it fills me with the same level of happiness. So I'll, that mm. that was just the number one song that, like, I, I think I'll be listening to it. And... So basically, you, you numbered yours. Um. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's just the first one I picked from okay. this list. Because, like, I yeah, I, I didn't really put mine in any uh, specific order. Um, but if we're gonna go like in R and B, like, I actually have a number of R and I think I think almost half of my of these tracks are R&B tracks are like soul tracks. So, um, but if we're going to go with something similar, um, I, one song that makes me always happy and just never ceases to bring a smile to my face is, uh, Stevie wonders. You are the sunshine of my life. <laughs> like I, there is something about that song, even though I, I can't say I like the rest of talking book all that much like that, that one song just, just always, always gets to me like it's just so freaking beautiful and just so well performed and just 
the, the, there's just so much character in mm-hmm. it, I think. You know, and it's, I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, it's super lonely, you know, being all by myself for, like, the rest of my life. So, you know, put on this thing and be like, okay, there we go. We're good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> good for another day. Um, yeah, I definitely could honestly be my favorite song ever. <laughs> so I mean, that, that's a fantastic song. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm going to have to listen to it again. I, we, we, we might have to cut recording so I can just, um, yeah. It's just like, like a pause for the exact amount of time that song goes. And then yeah, and, and just, just hear vague humming. Just, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, actually we didn't really go into our philosophies into, you know, curating these, um, did you have any like anything in mind when you were sort of creating this uh, these this track list? Yeah, I took a utilitarian approach to be honest for all, mm-hmm. all of these uh, lists because I think just the prompt is unique. It's not necessarily asking what are your favorite albums of all time because I mean obviously you can fulfill the prompt that way, uh, but for me and that's such an impossible outlook to narrow it down. Um, even, I don't even know what number I can narrow it down to and be comfortable yeah. with. Uh, so this, I, I tried to cover specific ground. Like, what specific buckets of music... Like, I didn't cover every single genre I listened to, but what are the m- most common genres, my favorite genres I listen to, and what are my favorite... Um, not only my favorite pieces of music or albums or collections or what have you from those uh, genres, but that kind of I guess the best way to say it is cover a lot of bases within that genre like I think it, it'll you know when we get to some of my other picks it, it'll make sense what I mean there but that they kind of touch on a few different styles or subgenres or lean in, in a few different directions in, in a genre so that it's not okay. um, it's not totally like for example we'll get there uh, I didn't pick my, my all-time favorite death metal album but I picked a death metal album that I think covers several different aspects of death metal that I like because I'm thinking I, is Covenant right is your favorite death metal I would album? say yeah Covenant but it's that is a very specific type of death metal and the, yeah. the album I ended up picking again we'll get to it later when we get to albums um, I feel like it covers more bases and would definitely if I was only listening to one death metal album ever I would be I wouldn't miss certain thing but we'll get into that later but that's basically how i viewed it is that you know all the general sounds and motifs and and genre tropes that i I love and go back to have gone back to year after year after year what is the best what is best going to fulfill those Mm. so okay i i kind of get you so what what do you have for another track this is a this is a song that it's it's kind of become a meme of, of, of my family who knows me like how oh, much I thought you were gonna say all star I was like no <laughs> like it's like I love this song so much and like the number of times I've played it like whenever I, I turn it on or it comes on my friend like Lauren and and my mom and, and other people will roll their eyes because I've played it so often and unfortunately the band hasn't consistently been great uh, other than their debut album and this is my favorite song from their debut and it has to be Latch by Disclosure featuring Sam okay. Smith. That is just, yeah. it's just such a fantastic, catchy house song. And it, it's, I, I don't know, I don't know why I love it as much as I do. And I think the rest of the album is good. Like I said, the rest of their career has been a little 
hit or miss for me. But I mean, that's another song. It's like one of my favorite dance songs ever. Um, and mm. for me, a lot of the songs I picked are very much in that vein, just because when I'm thinking of a single, I want something upbeat, happy, danceable. Um, a lot of other uh, like heavier, like I, I actually didn't pick any metal singles just because for me, metal is much more of an album genre. So I can see that. Yeah. I, so I actually did something. I, my ideas for this, for these lists were more um, based in, I guess, feeling and sort of necessity than sort of genre in a way. Like I, I, I definitely include a bunch of different genres, but I think about more like, oh, if I'm going to be in a certain mood, I want to have this song on, you know? So like, uh, for instance, so like my, my next one is uh, Idea and Abilities, uh, Smile. Um, nice. Yeah, which I, I think similar to You Are the Sunshine of My Life is just, you know, another one of those like, hey, it's okay, man. Like, <laughs> life doesn't suck, you know? <laughs> it's, you know, uh, the the core, I mean, I, I think it's it's a favorite song for a lot of people. It's probably their their biggest hit. Um, and I only really recently came to really enjoy the song, uh, but I, I just, I, I, I like that positive energy that it brings up because it like, I, I, I think it's, it's just, it's not naive in, in its spirit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if you listen to a lot of the verses, it's all about everything that's wrong with the world. Yeah. But then when you get to the chorus, you know, it just, uh, you know, I can't build until I tear the walls down. Even if it breaks me, I won't let it make me frown. Yeah, just you know, um, just that idea of just you know laughing in the face of of, of a horrible circumstance. I guess um, is just something that's always appealed to me. Uh-huh. And I think you know <laughs> definitely going to be needed um, for so. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's up next? Actually, for you? Um, I also have a hip hop song which. This was, you know, definitely narrowing down hip hop was most difficult for me because there are so many, as much as I love hip hop, hip hop albums often are very overblown, especially still a lot of the classics because uh, they try to fit in a lot of features, way too many songs, way too many skits. Um, well, so, how do you how do you define overblown, I guess? It's... I mean, the, the quintessential example is... Uh, I forget what the name of the album is, but it's by Big Pun. He was a really up and coming Latin rapper who died young because of he was a very large individual, very you know, died because yeah. of complications from that. And that album is like over an hour long with twenty plus tracks, including skits, a lot oh, of posse, right, tra- and right. just it's just so if it just felt overblown. It felt like they took an album and then just blew you know blew it up with let's just throw more more of everything on there. And I feel like that's yeah. true for a lot of earlier hip hop. Even like some of my favorites, like uh, both uh, Biggie Smalls albums. Even the the first one, Ready to Die, which is I think much much better in a hip hop classic. There are some tracks and moments that are just really cringeworthy. So trying to pick my favorite track for the bunch because I tried to only you know keep it to you know a limited amount for each genre. The one hip hop song that just gets me pumped up and has everything i look for fantastic beat fantastic flows fantastic lyrics lyrics that are both you know engaging on a surface level you can dig more into it has to be none shall pass by aesop rock like yes that song is just so just so good every time it comes on like his flow is 
I don't know how he can say the words he's saying, how he wrote the words he's saying, and make them sound so seamless. Because a lot of cerebral rappers in that scene sometimes, like I bought an album by Bus Driver and I think a few other people. And generally I like him, but there are some verses where it's like, it sounds like they're trying to pack as many words as they can. Into, yeah, into so, sometimes if it, a lot, sometimes some of those rappers feel like that they they're just philosophers that happen to rhyme. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, so it just it, yeah. it just feels like uh, it just doesn't feel natural. And and that track in particular, uh, that was the first Aesop rock trap I ever heard. And you know what a hell of a way to get introduced to him. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Actually, if uh, for anybody interested, uh, Paul, the YouTube channel Polyphonic does a really good breakdown of that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good video, worth watching. So, uh, you know that, that that's a fucking great. I I actually didn't include any Aesop in here, which is kind of a uh, kind of a mistake on my part. Now that I think of it, but I I think the only hip hop I actually included was uh, was ID and Abilities. Yeah, now, now that I'm looking at it. Um, which is yeah i don't know i i, I love hip-hop i just I, I think it's more like like i'm thinking about um i don't know necessity i guess yeah well, you know and not to say that i i don't need hip-hop but like i think there are other genres that i think um would probably would serve me better in this in this scenario so um which speaking of um my next track is uh dead can dance uh it's a track called Ulunga. Um, it's off. It's the first track off of uh, Into the Labyrinth, um, and it's this really weird. Um, I don't even. It's it's a bizarre song. It just it sounds very like arcane, occultish kind of mm-hmm. like. Um, it, 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 there's actually a really good music video somebody made that includes all this like footage of like whirling dervishes and like uh, you know all these religious ceremonies sort of all bundled together. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Uh, and so, like, like my, my thinking around this was, like, you know, uh, because, I, I mean, I, I don't bring it up a whole lot, but, you know, uh, I, I guess religion, spirituality is, is a big part of my life, but I, I tend to actually sort of uh, make art and spirituality sort of the same thing mm-hmm. in a way. I, I find a lot of solace in, in creativity um, and, like, artistic expression. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I just, I, I kind of like that, weird you know sort of you know uh mystical kind of side of of religion and i think that that dead can dance track really kind of captures that so i'm like i'm thinking like you know of just putting this thing on in front of the like and dancing in front of the fire naked or something like that <laughs> you know just you know well, one of those days where you just kind of have to like go a little nuts i guess yeah for sure um yeah all right what you got I'll talk about these next two at the same time because I picked okay. them for the same re- I I couldn't narrow it down between these two. Uh, you know, I think you'll probably agree with me that sometimes you just need some, you know, fantastic balls to the walls heavy metal. And yeah. when I like when I, I think of that, there's two songs I go to, um, and they, they both achieve that like hell yeah I want to I, I want to get on a motorcycle and you know drive through a you know a wall you know or something something like that and yeah. it's mm-hmm. painkiller by judas priest and oh fuck yeah run for the hill or run to the hills by iron maiden 
Oh, good. Like I, I, li- I like that. I like how bipartisan you are <laughs> with with that too. No, but for like like as soon as the wham wham wow, like as soon as that guitar lick comes on, yeah. After the uh, uh, you know the skittering hi hats, I'm like, oh yeah, we're we're going, man, we're going. Yeah. And then Painkiller, obviously from the get go, is just like, oh god. I mean, that if intro. they literally if they just release that as like the album, like there were no. I mean, obviously the album. In, in in total is fantastic but if they were yeah, like nope it really is this is the song this is what you get everyone would be like you know what cool because that's just one of the best metals this is one of my favorite metal songs ever oh yeah like full agreed stop. It, that that was the first Judas priest uh song i ever listened to and it was because it was on rock band 2 <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's so good it was oh god that, that, that fucking riff and just rob halford's vocals on that are just like fucking demonic yeah like it, it feels almost like he's like taking a page from like king diamond almost yeah i can see it. that like just getting like real high up there you're like rob halford such a great vocalist mm-hmm. um he, he, i feel like he never gets enough credit um but anyway um so let's see uh okay uh my next track is uh it's called a uh, karam or karam i don't know it's k-a-r-a-i-m it's a track by masada but it's from their um live at tonic 2001 album uh this is like one of my first uh ex- times experiencing masada like really in full um and, and really just being blown away by it uh this it's it's like uh i want to say it's like 14 minutes like it, it's it's a pretty beefy track mm-hmm. and it, it it has a lot of really like like everything I look for in a Masada song, kind of like there's a lot of really really good chemistry between everybody, obviously because they're all they all just practice so much. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of really interesting improvisation, you know, parts, but there's also a really good beat to it, and the solos that sort of come out are really interesting and sort of fit in with sort of the image that this song sort of portrays. And like for for me, it it, it I think I've talked about this before on this podcast but um it reminds me of sort of the um the the prince ali uh glory is he you know alibaba yeah. song from, from aladdin actually just like that that image of like uh you know a rich sultan you know bring his bring his entire retinue you know down into a bazaar and there's elephants and you know dancers and everything like it just for some reason reminds me of that even though uh, obviously jewish music is is not the same as arabic music <laughs> yeah um so i i i think i just i i wanted like i mean th- there's a little zorn in every one of these lists just because I, I i feel like he's one of the perfect artists for desert island just because i i think that there's so much you can extrapolate from every listen and you know that the, that number only increases as you listen to it like the it's just Zorn makes very dense music, mm-hmm. I think, that uh, I think is best enjoyed in sort of a contemplative phase. And, I mean, what better time, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, so I will yeah. pick uh, from my remaining tracks uh, the one jazz album I have just to kind of keep somewhat or What One mind. jazz track? One, yeah, excuse oh. me. One jazz can, track. Can I, can I take a guess on what this is? Because I think I know what it is. Uh, I would uh, be very impressed if you guessed it, but here we go. Take the A train. No, oh, okay. it is not. Uh, this is a. The song itself is one that I'm very familiar with because, well, you'll probably be able to guess it after I say this, but 
Uh, my mom, one of her favorite movies of all time is Sound of Music. So this okay. is a song oh, that okay. I yeah. had heard, you know, heard a lot and then happened to grab this album from local library and was like, fuck, I know this song. Uh, <laughs> my Favorite Things by John Coltrane. This just, nice. like, this one song accomplishes so many of my favorite jazz moods. You could feel kind of the, you know, after dinner, the you know, the loungy feel. There's some really... Um, really great uh alto sax i think it's alto i don't think it's clarinet but i think it's alto sax um i'm i'm yeah i i think uh i really don't because i actually don't own all my favorite things on cd yeah i'm pretty um, sure it's alto sax on the cover it looks like one uh but it's you know it sounds yeah but the the the, the cover isn't always what is actually played though like there's a uh, there's an album cover of like a charles mingus album that has him in front of a piano but there have been albums where it does piano. But anyway, it does sound a little different. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, in any case. You know what I think? It could be a soprano saxophone, yes, I think. That, that, is, that, that might be, yeah. But things. in any case, he you know, he gets really freaky towards the end with his soloing. It just accomplishes so many different jazz yeah, moods. It, it's a soprano sax. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, if I'm trying to think of a jazz track, you know, there's it's not the only jazz entry on this list but if i'm trying to think of a jazz track that kind of encompasses everything i love about jazz that's a that's a pretty damn good one yeah i mean i actually didn't include any jazz in the single tracks um yeah it isn't until the other ones that we actually get anywhere um so i guess for for me uh my next one is uh there is a light that never goes out by the smiths oh nice because I, I just, I mean, I, I've talked about how much I just absolutely adore The Queen is Dead. And I actually just bought um, uh, Strange Ways just the other day. Um, so I have every Smith album, except for, like, the compilations. Nice. So, yeah. But uh, I, I, it was really, like, this was part of the list that was really tough because I'm like, I need to include some Smiths somewhere in here. Yeah. Because, like, I, like The Queen is Dead is, like, an album that, like, at this point in my life, I don't think I could live without. And so, like, I need something in it. Yeah. Um, but it was really tough to figure out what, because, like, every track off of the album is really good. Um, like, I I, I was thinking about, like, the title track, but then maybe Cemetery Gates, um, maybe Big Mouth Strikes again. But, you know, there is a light that never goes out, though. Like, like because I think, you know, it's one of the few, like, melancholy songs that's in, that's in this track list for me. Um, and I think, like, that's important. I, I think people don't realize that, like, the true uh, way to live is in balance, you know, to have, you know, to have the sweet and the sour. Yeah. Um, and even though, like, you're on a desert island and, like, you know, it's probably going to be existentially very sour, I think it's good to have, you know, something that brings those feelings more uh, to the surface. So even though I, I don't really consider, like, I'm not really sad when I listen to this song. But I, I think there's just, I think it's good to have that emotion. Yeah, for anyway. sure. So I get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that's a phenomenal track. So yeah, yeah. Fucking, I, I was actually just listening to it earlier when I was doing the dishes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> Sweet. So what, what, yeah. So what, what I, you got I have a few more. Um, this one uh, probably won't come as a surprise to you. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, it's considered one of the best written pop songs of all time 
and it is very dear to my and Lauren's heart. I've you know loved it a ton since I first heard it, and that would be God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Oh, I just okay. I think that's just such an incredibly written song. You know the lyrics are. Um, I may not always love you. It's it's kind of uh, obviously the the whole I don't want to say shtick, but like the whole lyrical device of the song is pretty obvious. Is it's not like super deep, but for, like for pop music, it, it's kind of emotionally it's more emotionally heavy than um, you'd normally find in my view, especially you know as the yeah. genres progressed. Uh, it's just it's very beautiful, very wholesome. Um, it kind of is melancholic, but ultimately very, you know, a love song and it's just, it's a truly phenomenal track. Yeah. That, that is a great track. I mean, if I was going to pick something off of, if I was gonna pick a Beach Boys track, I mean, it would, I, I think Kokomo would be way too on the nose to be on a desert island, with, <laughs> uh, to be honest. I think, I think that, that that's probably the one song that would drive me to suicide on that island. <laughs> um, but I, what's, um, oh. Well, what's the opening track of Pet Sounds? Oh, wouldn't that um, be nice? Yeah, thank you. How how did I not? How, how can I forget a song like the title of that song? That's such a great track. Yeah, and Beach Boys are fucking great, but uh, just music in general, music is great. Yeah, yeah. Hot take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my next song is uh, "Day of the Baphomets" by uh, Mars Volta. Oh, nice. Uh, it's the so the penultimate track off of uh, their album Amputecture. Um, it's probably my favorite track off of that album, um, all things considered. I just love the sort of the energy and sort of the way it changes up in a way. Like it, the first minute of it is sort of like this weird buildup. And then it just sort of just explodes in like just noise. Like you hear a lot like um, like a lot of just atonal guitars and a lot of get like saxophone scronks. And it just takes like this chaotic approach for like the first like five minutes or so. And then it's sort of gets into some different territory um you know there's this really awesome breakdown of like this sort of it's i can can only describe as like a tribal breakdown i guess because they they use a lot of like these really cool drums during it it's like some really interesting timbers and stuff like that Uh i i I think it's just a cool song to listen to i think you know i I, i'm thinking within the context of of our scenario that we've created that like this is like another like fuck shit up track Mm -hmm. that that that's just like if you need to just sort of jump around and get all that frustration out like that just basically the the opening minute of of day of the baphomets is just like fucking perfect for that yeah so um yeah (laughs) i mean yeah i mean mars volta is pretty i think if there's any number of tracks you could have you could have picked yeah. that would have it, It's funny, but th- th- this is actually the only Mars Volta track, only thing by Mars Volta that's actually on my list. Um, yeah. Which is really surprising, because I, I fucking love them. I mean, in, in some cases, it's difficult just to, to narrow it down, which I think yeah, will... Well, I, I've always found them more of like an album band, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. It, and it's tough to sort of... I mean, I'd probably pick Amputecture, but I, I felt like the albums that I have in currently in this thing are more fitting, so... yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so what do you have next? I have two more tracks. One that um, is a bit more sentimental, but we'll save that for the end. The next one, it's one I discovered somewhat recently, but it, I, I kind of knew it was a thing. 
before and then just never put two and two together. I don't think I listen to it as often as other people have, but it's one of my favorite folk ballads. Uh, it's really an incredible track, and it is Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, I mean, okay. I love so many of their songs, but th- this is just such an incredible, incredible track. Um, so much more grand, you know, it, it goes through so many more, you know, obviously you have that, you know, say alone, super, you know, in the, so it's a, it has a little bit of a break in the middle. It crescendos in a beautiful way, but if I had to pick a Simon and Garfunkel track, which obviously is difficult to do for me, mm. seeing as they have so many great songs, that's the one I would pick for sure. Mm. I've actually, I don't know if I've ever even listened to Bridge Over Troubled Water, now that I think about it. I, I've never really just gone and listened to a whole lot of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, it don't really seem like your cup of tea, honestly. I, I wouldn't mind giving some of their stuff a shot at some point because i i'm not i'm not averse to folk or at least as averse to folk as i used to be mm-hmm. um i i just i don't for some reason like if i think of folk like i think the first place i go to is like um i don't know i, I guess jim croce even though yeah. that's a very light definition of folk um a- anyway so my my next track is pretty much not folk at all um <laughs> it's uh animali by uh incubus oh nice uh yeah, I this, without a doubt, I think it's the best song Incubus has ever written. Uh, my, my favorite of their their tracks by far, and that's saying a lot because I love just a majority of their albums. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that it was it's it's a good happy song sort of uh, to put on. You know that like you know if it's a you know, there's some blue sky out, there's a little bit of clouds. You know, the song talks about clouds. You know, just I don't know. It just seemed like a a necessary track to put on um yeah yeah i so I, you, I, I don't know uh or I, there aren't a ton of incubus songs that i pardon you me yeah you know, pardon <laughs> while me, i uh, burn drive megalomania <laughs> yeah. um what's that song what, me, all, all good me in outer space oh I god i should know that here. like how do you do it I love yeah, that song. Um, that's a great, great song. Oh, God, I um, think that's a, that that that's off of um, freaking uh, the one that's Drive On. Yeah, I can't even remember uh, it now. But I, I I do know that track though. Yeah, but I, I love that song. Um, yeah. So my final track, uh, just because I, I cut it off around there, because like I feel like this covers all my bases, and if I could probably list songs forever, this one's very sentimental. This it might be a little corny, and allow me to quickly explain after I list what it is, but uh, it's uh, Return to Pooh Corner by Kenny Loggins. Um, okay. And that is because uh, my mom used to sing that song to me every night when I was a kid. And just, if I'm going to be alone on a desert island, uh, it's just a, such a sweet, cute song, you know, he, he wrote for his, his son about, you know, hanging out with Winnie the Pooh. And it's it's just really cute. And I think that I would like having to hear that if I was, you know, all alone. On yeah, island. no, that, that's that's a perfect pick. So, <laughs> like, I I can't say I've listened to that song. I I've actually never even heard of that song until you just brought it up. I didn't know Kenny Loggins wrote uh, a track about Winnie the Pooh, but you know, good on him. So, you know. yeah, it's, it's very it's very cute. You know, she used to sing it to me every night before before bed. I, I just think about Kenny Loggins when he showed up on, uh, he's a guest on uh, Archer. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, so I, I have three more, but I'm just going to sort of put them all into one because they're all kind of in the general vein of like soul R&B. So first one, Aretha Franklin's Chain of Fools. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Second, Funkadelic's uh, You and Your Folks, Me and My Folks. And uh, Curtis Mayfield's Move On Up. Um, I, I just think all of those songs are, I think You and Your Folks is, is kind of more of like a jump the fuck up song for me. <laughs> but Chain of Fools and Move On Up are just like really just great tracks to sing along to and i think move on up sort of belongs in that you know you are the sunshine of my life or like a smile this type of positivity like that 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 song pretty much got me through like my last year of grad school yeah so just i would just put that thing on and just walk to class and be like oh hey my life isn't horrible (laughs) (laughs) like what what crippling depression (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so all right so let's talk about albums um I'm just going to go first with mine because, uh, you know, I haven't talked about any jazz. So uh, John Coltrane's Ascension. Um, nice. It was, yeah, I, I like, see, but when it comes to album picks for me, like I, I needed something that I wanted something that I think you could go back to over and over again and really enjoy and sort of pick up more and more from. Uh, that's why like a lot of, a lot of the picks for the rest of this list are just very, um, not necessarily esoteric, but like very dense in their compositions or just, you know, in their performances. So, you know, it's, it's food for thought. I think it's good, like contemplative music. And I think Coltrane is, you know, Ascension, I think is just perfect example of that. I, I, it was tough trying to pick a Coltrane album. Um, you know, like Meditations was kind of up there for me, but I, I, I think Ascension just, just because it's so long that there's like, you know, there's two parts of it. Yeah. You know, it's over an hour of just, you know, like just improvised jazz. You know, I I think that works out really well for me. So nice. Yeah. Well, I will also, um, again, kind of like I mentioned earlier, try to stick to, um, you know, both with albums and box sets. Uh, So we're doing albums first and then. Yeah, I'm just saying with with both of these buckets, I tried to. pick albums that covered a wide range of the genres i like so this isn't necessarily mm. my favorite you know since you mentioned a jazz album uh this isn't my favorite jazz album ever i mean it's one of my favorites but it's not what i would list you know what i think is the best or my favorite but it certainly is long enough to offer plenty of listening for desert island uh experience or excursion or uh, entrapment whatever you want to look at it and it covers a lot of my favorite aspects of the genre and that would be the epic by kamasi washington oh okay. just because yeah. i mean there's just so much jazz on there he you know there's there's some more not not necessarily free improv but some really like scronky like pharaoh sanders intense playing there's yeah. some you know smooth some vocal cuts smooth loungy there's some more spiritual there's more triumph you know there's just there's so yeah. so much of everything and, and and there's there's a good like sort of variety of stuff that he composed, but also jazz standards. Yeah, I think exactly. Too. So uh, it, yeah, it's the, just it's a the, really it's a really pick. good mix uh, of everything. Um, yeah, I was on the fence at first about um, including that or Heaven and Earth, but I, I just I, I think the epic has more songs that uh, just are like you know knockout punches for me, and uh, I think it's lo- longer. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, if you don't include that... Yeah, if you don't that, include like, the third disc, uh, yeah, which is something I, I consider, but 
I think the epic for me is just, you know, that's where it started. That's where my journey with Kamasi started. So I, I went with that one. That's a great pick, man. I, I, I thought you were going to say one of the albums that's actually on my list, uh, which I might as well just talk about now. Uh, Bitches Brew. Yeah. Um, just and like, you know, it's 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 strange, but it's been a long time since I've listened to Bitches Brew. Um, but I, I just like it. Maybe it's kind of an easy pick in a way to, you know, put as like a Desert Island disc, you know, but like I, I really I. I've always enjoyed having that album on when I'm doing something. Um, like I know my senior year of college, junior and senior year of college, I would put um, I would put Bitches Brew on, and while I was writing, and you know it would always help me get uh, all my <laughs> like all my homework done basically. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say that there isn't anything to enjoy when you're li- when you're listening to it actively. Um, it's just that like I, I think it's you know. It, it sort of has an ambient quality to it for me that you can sort of enjoy it on both spectrums of listening. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I fucking love it. And I mean, not to mention that it's just, it's a long ass album. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you, you got like, you know, I think what an hour and a half, maybe two hours, you know, you know, you've, you've got, you've cut that out of your day. And I mean, if we're on a desert Island, we're, we're pretty much just counting down, the days until we die in, in in a in a very real sense yeah so i'm like you know let's just let's just cut off as many chunks of time as we can with these yeah. albums <laughs> for sure no i mean that's right. that's a phenomenal pick and it definitely was difficult for me to narrow down my jazz selections but yeah um yeah i mean that's a great great album um trying to look at what i want to talk about next uh i guess this one's popping out at me it's it, sometimes I just want like a like a not this band's a little bit more cerebral than I'm, I'm going to make it out to be in terms of what I um, you know what I chose them for, but sometimes you just need a heavy riff. Just just you need oh, you need. Oh. I I know what album you're talking. You're talking about the new Nickelback album. Yes, exactly. Fuck yeah. Sometimes you just need that, like, you make a stanky face, you're like, oh, shit, like, that's a rip, like, that is heavy, I'm gonna headbang until I get, like, a fucking concussion, um, <laughs> and this album is just non, like, every song, like, the opening riff, you know, it's like, holy shit, like, I, I wanna headbang harder than I did the last song, uh, and there are a number of albums I could've picked for this band, but this one is just, has so many immediate, um, fantastic tracks for me, and that is Nothing by Meshuggah, uh, Okay. You know, I, I didn't expect that. I just right. like wh- when I just want. I mean, again, that's that's what I meant earlier. Like, I, I don't want to make him out to be like a, uh, like a simple like groove metal band or anything like that. And I know that the the, the complexity of the music is a bit overstated. But there's also mm. some progressive elements on and melodic elements. Like you know, Straws pulled at random. Uh, is a famous track for them with some melodic moments and, and just these some spacey atmospheres and there are a few other tracks that kind of go down that route but there are just so many tracks that are just heavy as fuck and I know I'm going to be wanting you know some of those stank face riffs yeah I, I could just imagine you just like you know I, I like just playing air guitar yeah to, oh god to, yeah that's exactly like straws pulled at random just yeah. like you know just headbanging and like you know stomping around the, the island oh I, so little little random segue that's kind of related. Um, 
I don't know if you knew this, but the Courier Museum in New- in Manchester um, recently did an exhibition of uh, on guitars and like the history of the guitar. Interesting. Yeah, and um, they. I, so I went to check it out, and it was really cool. They had some really really cool ones there, but uh, the funniest one by far was an empty display case that was just air guitar. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> That's a statement. I love it. That, that was that that one. It was. I was just like, yeah, that needed to happen. Like, <laughs> good, good for you guys. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my next one. So I I have a couple albums on my compilations that I actually haven't listened to. Um. And this is the only album on the albums list that I haven't listened to. Um. It's called a Time Machines. Uh. It's by Coil. Huh. So um. Uh, I don't know how much you know about this album, but. It's basically created to allow you to trip, basically. I mean, to, to not miss words, basically. Um, it uses binaural audio, so basically there are two different sounds playing in each ear. Uh, and it's supposed to create this strange uh, sort of time, like, dilation effect mm-hmm. for listeners. Um and so, I, I mean, I don't know if it's, I, I've heard that it works. I'm not totally sure. But I think, I think, just think that would be perfect to listen to. Uh, yeah. You know, if, it, it, in the event that, like, you know, the the existential dread of, of being on this island has gotten too much, you can just be like, okay, here's, just let's put on this for a couple hours and just kind of, you know, kind of trip balls for a little bit. So, <laughs> That is really, really cool, and I totally see why you, you picked it. And that yeah. is, that's super interesting. Uh, I've literally <laughs> never heard of that, but now I really want to look into it. Yeah, um, I actually only heard about it because they, um, when I say they, I'm, I think like Coil's estate, because both of them are, are passed away, um, they did a reissue of it on not too long ago. Uh, so that was but I, I it was funny because I, I was actually planning on buying uh, a vinyl copy of that for you for your birthday like years ago. So Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. But you know, never I, I think I don't even know what I, I I think I got you Cecil Taylor instead or something like that. Which is a, a great a Unistructures. Yeah. It's a great Unistructures, great yeah. It was a great great game. album. Yeah. Um anyway. Nice. So um, yeah. I guess I'll stick with the metal for a little bit, just because I, I have okay. a number. You know, unsurprisingly, I have a number of metal albums, um, a lot of newer ones, and I, I think it'll make more sense when I explain. You know, what I mentioned earlier about metal albums that cover or albums you know that cover a few different bases. Uh, when it came to death metal, again, you know, Covenant by Morbid Angel is you know I would consider my favorite death metal album. It is definitely um, an album of its era. And this is one of the things I love about death metal is really fast blast beats and then some, you know, heavy chugs and, and some, you know, kind of gruesome, like brutal moments. And <clears throat> yeah, and Covenant doesn't really have, and that's just because that's not really what Morbid Angel was going for. That style of death metal hadn't, I don't want to say hadn't been created yet, but in a way it hadn't reached the point that we are understanding now. Like brutal death metal wasn't the brutal death metal we know now. Blast beats have only gotten faster. So this album is kind of this is something that the band's actually been criticized for a little bit is that they kind of pull from too many directions i don't i can i can see where people come from with that i don't really agree because i i love what the band does uh this really was a renaissance for their career when it came out because they had hit somewhat of a run up to this point and this really 
garner them much more attention. They're starting to milk it a little bit, but, uh, the formula that they've created. Um, but this album is, you know, will always remain fantastic, and it's one of my favorite death metal albums. And it really does. It has some some grindy parts. It has some gruesome, like brutal death metal parts. It has you know some kind of tech death parts. It has some more atmospheric, you know, passages. And it is a monolith of inhumanity by Cattle Decapitation. Okay. Um, you know, again, it's one of my, one of my favorite death metal albums. Not my all time favorite. Uh, I don't even know if it would how far up the list of my favorites you know it would rank. But I think in terms of covering all the bases of death metal that I enjoy, there I couldn't think of another album that did this as well. Because I was thinking maybe an album by like Origin or Nile, like something really technical and fast, but it doesn't really mm. it doesn't really hit that true like gruesome brutal aspect and then you know i was thinking maybe um some cannibal corpse or whatever but that's not like as fast you, you know what i mean so like, it kind of samey it kind yeah. of touches in all the different areas of the genre that i i i always think of, of cannibal or um, not cannibal corpse, uh, cattle decapitation is like a death grind band yeah and i think i, I think that's I, why yeah. it works so well because they you know are really fast and they have the, the kind of the riffage of of death metal but also like the gruesomeness and some of the unhinged moments of grindcore and i think that... and the and those sweet pirate vocals yes yes which i know <laughs> we we differ in although you know, not not to to segue too much into this but definitely on their newest one death atlas it's starting to get old only, I... not because i mean i don't actually i think the vocals are kind of cool i think they add a little bit of variety but unfortunately they're just kind of they really are milking the formula unfortunately so I, you know, I, I really haven't, like, listened to them in a while. I wouldn't mind putting on some cattle decapitation sometime. Um, I, I've, I've had, like, Human Newer on my wish list for a long time just because I love that album cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just one of the best metal album covers ever made, in, in my opinion. Um, but. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I, I just find it hilarious. Even the most people are like, that's horrifying. It's yeah. like. That that's the fucking point, dude. Um, so, I actually don't have any metal on this list really? at all. Um, I I think there's one thing that could count as metal, maybe, uh, but we'll get to that later. It's in compilations. Um, my next one's uh, Hildegard von Bingen's uh, or Sequentia playing compositions by Hildegard von Bingen. Uh, Canticles of Ecstasy is the album title. We've talked about this in uh, an earlier episode. It's uh, very early medieval music. It's mostly choral, uh, mostly monophonic. It's really one of the most peaceful, uh, you know, just beautifully religious albums I've ever heard. Um, and I, you know, it's one of those albums that just immediately brings peace of mind, at least to me. So you know, much needed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you've talked about it before. I haven't, uh, I don't think I've listened to it, but... Uh, no, we we, uh, we did an episode uh, on it. We did, uh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, That's like, why I'm just not going to talk about it too much, just because I already went over it. But. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... Um, I remember liking it, now, now that that rings a bell. I was on the fence about whether or not I remembered it, but uh, that's cool. I actually don't have any classical on this, so... I oh, guess. that's because most of I, I feel like most of my stuff is jazz and classical. So interesting. Uh, yeah, um, I'm just that much of a snob nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for 
black metal, I picked something that a lot of people will, some people will bristle at, but it really, you know. It's some people, do you mean me? No. I guess okay. in general that people will be like, okay, oh. so, so, so it isn't ma'am. <laughs> so. No, it's, it's not, it's not like a, you know, quote unquote true black metal, but it, uh, it hits. Oh, De- Deaf Heaven Sunbather. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It, it hits so many fantastic, uh, notes. Uh, you know, you get some shoegaze elements, some post-rock elements, some dream pop, you know, you obviously get black metal. Like it just, it, it it's like the one of the perfect albums for this challenge, quote unquote, and it's just a fantastic album. I mean, the first time I heard Dreamhouse, I was like, "Good God, this is gonna be one of my favorite albums of the decade!" Like, this is a goddamn masterpiece. It's, it's a solid album. I mean, it's it's definitely not you know one of my favorites, but you know, I, I you got to give it credit where credits due. So yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, let's see, I did. Oh, okay. Uh, John Zorn, uh, New Traditions in East Asian Bar Bands. Um, I think a while ago, I think when we came upon like the first anniversary of, of the early incarnation of this podcast, we talked about some of our favorite albums, and this was actually on um, my list for that. This is a collection of, I, I guess they're technically game pieces by uh, by John Zorn, but they're performed. Uh, it's I don't even know how to describe it. So it's kind of improvisation, but there's also narration uh done in a bunch of asian languages i think the first one i want to say is vietnamese and then or it could be chinese i i there's there's a list but i'm i'm pretty sure it goes like chinese vietnamese korean if i remember right but it has all these just beautiful spoken word vocals and they end up telling the story in the liner notes of what they're actually saying but under it um for each track there's a different set of instrumentals so like the first one has two guitars playing which one of them is uh arda lindsay from uh the band dna um who's a frequent zorn collaborator but um second one the second track has um drums and the third has two keyboardists nice and so yeah so each one just sort of creates this really interesting atmosphere and I mean, this is still probably my favorite Zorn album after all this time. I, I just I find myself going back to it again and again because there's just like there there's something really beautiful about the human voice and even beyond its capacity to sing. Like I think just there's something beautiful about hearing a different language and not necessarily understanding what's going on, but sort of taking it on a sonic level and just sort of hearing the way this language has developed and just you know finding just the sheer like aesthetics out of it to be just captivating Mm -hmm. um that's what i feel like this album like really um hinges on really well and so you know it's just i i think it's a great like contemplative little album yeah it's it's not little though i think each i want to say let's say the first track is definitely over 20 minutes and the third one is definitely over 30 um and I think the second one's like around ten, so it's it's, it's a good chunk of time. So nice, yeah, sweet, yeah. I, mean, I was curious what because I knew you were gonna pick Zorn. I was curious. What yeah, I mean it's pick. it's. I mean I'm not I'm not done. With, yeah, but but, but uh, he, for albums anyway, I'm done with him. So <laughs> I'm done with him. I'm done with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
trying to figure out what to talk about next from this list. Let me just pull it back up. Um, I guess this is somewhat metal. This is the last, you know, metal album on this list, but uh, it kind of it dips into sludge metal a little bit, but also into rock a little bit. Uh, there aren't a lot of straight up rock albums. Like for example, I love Boston's first album. I love some ACDC records, uh, but in general, I'm not huge on just straight up rock music as you know as an album format but i like just great riffs great um you know driving i i think i know what you're talking about what album you're talking about uh it's a baroness yes yellow and green because i feel like that kind of it satisfies the sludge you know look for a little bit of the stoner rock in, in a way some just you know kind of great hard rock and a lot of great melody on primarily yellow, but also um, throughout. Um, excuse me, throughout green, but also you know on moments on yellow. Um, it, again, just it's a great compilation. Uh, well, it's not really. It's I, I think I would consider this an album. Uh, yeah. So double album. It's it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a great album that ultimately uh, ultimately fulfills my ethos i guess or fulfills you know what i was trying to do and it again not my favorite baroness album that would probably be it's hard hard to choose between red and blue i I think ultimately i'll go with blue but i think that it's more diverse and covers more ground than either of those i I thought you're going to say purple um but i really i do i really do like purple but i think that it's you know blue is kind of undeniably um well, maybe not undeniably because people have their own version. Yeah, I, I think it's their. I think it it's the best intersection of the different aspects of their career, which ultimately is what a lot of uh, when you talk about someone's best album, that's kind of what that's kind of what yeah. it usually is. Um, so we had we've had this conversation before a little bit about double albums that, like, you know, I think it's our collective opinion that the majority of them are you know unnecessarily long. What, where does yellow and green fall in that for you? Uh, in terms of their, their discography, I'm sorry. Like, well, just just like in terms of like double albums being unnecessarily long, do you like do do you find yellow and green to be to you know justify that opinion, or do you think it's uh, you think the runtime is justified? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in in terms of their. In terms of their discography, I actually think it's one of the more oddly concise. Like, I, I feel like, um, was it orange and gold? I'm forgetting, losing the colors are losing me. Orange and gold. Was it gold and silver? What was, what was the it new one called? Was, it, oh, yeah. It wasn't gold and silver. Though, though that would make more sense. Was it right? orange and it gold? Was, um, I'm looking it up now. But, um,. Let's see. I, I guess it goes to show you how uh, how memory... golden gray. Oh, which, you know, golden gray. Yeah, yeah. That one, that one felt way too to me. Like, I mean, I I liked it ultimately uh, in the end, but that one felt a little too long. I felt like yellow and green didn't feel like a because each album itself wasn't too long. I feel like that was my problem with uh, golden gray is that each side felt like its own full project, and there were moments mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, I like this better. But I feel like yellow and green. Definitely, if I had to pick my favorite Della album, that might be it only because there really is no filler. Like, to me, filler is a song I like, oh, that feels unnecessary. There are songs I like more than other songs on Yellow and Green, 
but there's there isn't a moment where I'm like this this just should have been left off. Uh, like it mm. definitely contributes to the overall vibe. You know, each each side is trying to do something a little bit different with uh, with the direction Baroness was going. Um, so yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, so for my next one, um, you know, I, I'm literally just going in order in the order I wrote them down in. But uh, Steve Reich, music for 18 musicians. Nice. Uh, yeah, I I just thought it was you know another good calm down album. Um, I again like I, I feel like there, there's a big need for calm down <laughs> albums in in this scenario, um, and, and not to mention there's just something just really interesting about music for 18 musicians that you know it's so strange like it's it's kind of paradoxical in listening to it that like it's so minimal and yet so complicated at the same time it's it's perplexing in a way because you know you're trying to listen to like all the different instrumentation but it's all following this pulse Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's just create some interesting opportunities um for listening you know you can really find yourself in some in some interesting places um so i thought that would be a good a good you know piece to put in here yeah i mean that that's a great album and it really yeah you you included a ton of jazz and classical that's really interesting i we're not done yet (laughs) nice um i guess i guess i have one more metal album but it's i was debating putting this on there but ultimately i do like i'm not a big doom guy but you know occasionally i like the long slow epic riff and again this is kind of proving how much of a normie my opinion can be sometimes but you know good music is good music and uh sorrow and extinction by paul bearer i just think that that has some incredible incredible riffs it's super epic and melodic and when i think of doom metal uh, just like the the opening to, I think Foreigner is the fir- the name of the first track or Voyager. You're asking the wrong person, it's, man. It's I haven't listened to that album since like you bought it. Yeah, I'm kind of just <laughs> asking the void at this point. But it's it's uh, it's it's, it's has it's, the void answered you, Scott? No, I have not. I haven't heard back. <laughs> um, but it's just super super good, uh, and it's again, Doom is not a genre that I listen to that often, but that is a phenomenal example from it and something I, I go to um, when that itch does, uh, does does catch me once in a while I mean really like I think I guess maybe maybe that's normie for like modern like contemporary metal but like when I'm considering the genre as a whole I mean you've got like you know Candlemas, Cathedral, even like Sabbath you know I, I view as like more of like a normie pick yeah I I feel like, um, I feel like the unfortunate thing about like something being pitchfork approved, like for example, on their mm. 200, 200 best albums of the decade, there were only three metal albums included. One of two, well, actually, it was uh, Sunbather, Sunbather. Sorrow and Extinction, <laughs> and then Ve- Vexovoid by Portal, which seemed super random, but whatever. Yeah, that's a really weird pick. Uh, I I thought that they were gonna go for like. Um, uh, like vector, you know. Yeah, that that would have made more sense. I thought that was. I mean, I really like that album, and I, I like Portal in general. But that was just super random. Also, it's good to know that um, only three worthwhile metal albums came out in the last decade. But anyway, I mean, Pitchfork is infallible. When are you going to realize that? It's just I. 
Like if you I mean, just does, does it really does it really surprise you, Scott? No, that, no. Like, just give, give me five just, seconds on this. Like, yeah. The fa- okay. The fact that <laughs> the metal is one of the most relevant genres of the last decade, and to only have like I don't even know how many hip hop albums are on, and that makes sense because hip hop is a relevant genre, but metal is you know equally relevant in its own way. You know, obviously not in the same spheres, but it's an incredibly relevant genre that I think has produced more than three worthwhile albums. You know, even worthwhile. Like they create for the last several years, they've created a top metal albums list, and like from all those lists, they only you know, I don't know. I I, I like if okay, we were yeah. to go through um, that Pitchfork list, I think we would find that the majority of the albums there were indie rock albums. Yeah, indie rock. So or, like, or like pop and you know hip hop. Yeah, but it's, it's like that's what I mean. It's like Pitchfork has the, their own sort of taste. Um that really isn't indicative of anybody else yeah except if they you know if you're a pretentious hipster like i i'm assuming most of pitchfork is yeah. <laughs> it's consisting of uh, sorry to any pitchfork lovers out there i guess um all right so i i guess if we're gonna go for pitchfork darlings i mean i guess these guys are very much uh as of late considering sort of their last batch of albums uh pitchfork darlings uh swans uh to be kind Nice. Uh, which is my favorite Swans album by far. Um, I think, you know, I, I picked this, I think, one, just because I think it's a me- like meditative release. Uh, you know, two, it's just super fucking long. Um, but I think three, it just has, you know, I, I you know, it, it, it's good to have, you know, it's cool to have a long album and everything like that. But, you know, what's more important is the songwriting. And Swans has that in spades, you know, throughout their discography. But I think on this album in particular it really always captures my attention mm-hmm. so much that like i like you know i i've i've proven myself to be a very impatient person on this podcast um and this is one of the few albums that i don't mind sitting down to and just being patient and waiting and like you know just listening through it because i just think it's that uh just amazing of a listen uh yeah I was I thought you were going to include a Swans album, so I was waiting to talk about the Swans album I picked until uh-huh. you picked the Seer, right? I picked the Seer. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think any of the um, their three comeback because uh, um, follow my rope up to heaven or whatever. Or my father, uh, my my father will guide me up a rope. To yeah, the sky, there you go. Um, that one, it definitely is an extension of uh, Jira's angels of light and you know he's kind of a side work it, it didn't yeah. really wasn't fully realized like the way um glowing man to be kind the seer was but the seer to me i mean it just it, it blew me away on first listen you know obviously i was relatively i uh, was i was a tenderfoot in in terms of diving into experimental music at the time but you know even still to this day it's it's one of my favorite experimental releases and it was kind of a no-brainer for yeah. um this album portion for sure this the series great album i i I just for some reason like to be kind has a more like visceral chokehold of 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 a feeling which Mm -hmm. is odd for to call a swans album that or at least a swans album that isn't part of like their early years um you know so like i i i think it's that type of like viciousness that you know i i think not to say the seer isn't vicious but i think it's it's more like um prowling mm-hmm. whereas like to be kind is like full-on attack yeah um and then you know and then glowing man is just you know 
licking the meat off of your bones yeah. you know just <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway um so my next three are jazz albums uh but they're all different types of jazz i guess uh so first one is a Wadada leo smith um america's national parks oh nice um yeah see i I mean, I think I've talked about this before, but I always have this thing with with Leo Smith that like he I'm always intrigued by his music, but I've never really felt like I've like gotten it. Not, not to say that music needs to be like gotten and like understood to be enjoyed, but I always feel like I'm missing a piece of it whenever I put on an album of his. And I think this is probably the most indicative of that because it's these two. Uh, it's, a, it's a double album that is all about, I mean, America's national parks, um, you know, and it's a really interesting lineup. Like there's like a cello on it and like, you know, it's very instrumentally, it's very interesting um, because it, it's just sort of like it has this very avant-garde jazz feel. But at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't get like as like atonal and scronky and sort of noisy as a lot of avant-garde jazz does it's 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 almost like avant-garde chamber jazz almost it's like the best way i can put it and so you know it it, it's always just perplexed me um so i I think it'd be a cool album to sort of you know sit down for a few days and sort of you know figure out what it's really about um yeah that's that's why it's here (laughs) nice yeah um i have a few more on the album list trying to figure out which one to talk about next I'll, I'll end this the same way to the singles and leave the sentimental one for last. But um, next, I will talk about a album that, speaking of Pitchfork, called a Frankenstein monster, and gave it a six out of ten, and then proceeded to call it the third best album of the two thousands. So there you go. Anyway, I will never let that go because I think it's one of the most beautiful moments of. Uh, uh, responding to popularity there is but it is nonetheless a fantastic danceable album and i definitely need my dancing which is why i picked one that i think covers a few different tempos uh not only just you know literal tempos but also just different flavors of house music and dance music and that is discovery by daft punk yeah Uh, it is just such a fun bright uh, vibrant album, you know, the flavors of disco, obviously house music, uh, you know, just funky, uh, you know, funk, I guess. And it just is, is super well-rounded and super just fun. And that's, that's everything <laughs> I look for. got me feeling so free, <laughs> free, free. Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that, that that's a great album. Uh, I think I, I that that actually would have been a good pick. Uh, you know, I I think just for me, like the the last half of that album really like just suffers in my opinion. Like it just feels like it it kind of drops off. Um, but I still like I really do regret selling that album back because I it's it's such a fun listen to put on every so often. Nice, yeah. No, you right on with that that's a, that's a really good pick so um so in, in my jazz that's that's we're going more traditional uh dexter gordon's go um i don't know if you've ever listened to this album before have you or um uh, scott um <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think i don't th- it, it just says go on it on the album cover i don't 
think so. I might have. Though. Yeah. I'm trying to rack my brain I, in my I, CD case. Yeah, I know. I'm. I. It's not an album I talk about a whole lot, but it's it's probably my favorite jazz album um, ever. You know, well, now that I'm really thinking about it, um, there's something about like it, it's it's not like it really does anything that's much different than you know a lot of like the hard bop that was going on around the same time that it came out, but. Uh, I think the performance on it is just, you know, really just stellar. Like, everybody's contributions are just beautiful. Dexter Gordon blows a mean saxophone. Um, you know, and the opening track, uh, Cheesecake, is one of my favorite jazz tracks, um, as well as the second track, which I think is uh, I'll Hang My Tears Out to Dry. Like, th- th- there's a lot of um, emotional, like, you know, peaks and valleys through it and i just think it's a really good um sort of collection of tracks that really represent that style of jazz really well so nice yeah all i now need to check my um my shelf once we're done recording and see yeah oh it's super good if i have it because i I feel like i might but uh i think i have a dexter gordon album but yeah it could could be uh his other big one is uh our man in paris i don't think i have that one yeah um, all right i yep only have one left other than the sentimental okay. one at the end and it is one that uh, i don't think you're going to be super surprised to hear but it is you know when i was trying to think of this was probably the easiest one um ultimately it, it was hard not to include another hip-hop album but in terms of including any hip-hop album this was a uh, so as i kind of formulated my process t-pav no Oh, it isn't. It isn't T Pab. No, I think you, oh. you think. I mean, I like that album. I think you think I like it more than I do. Like, I, oh. I, I, th- I definitely prefer Good Kid, Mad City over. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I knew you liked. It. I just, I wasn't. Yeah. No, anyway. I, 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 I would, I would rather listen to Good Kid, Mad City than T Pab. You know, any day of the week. Um, but that was actually somewhat of a short list. But when I was trying to narrow it down to just one single hip hop album, it had to be Mad Villainy. Like that just has been, oh, okay. has been my favorite hip hop album for I mean, God, God knows the how fucking, long. The, the fucking production on Curls, like that 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 I love that beat in Curls. That's I mean I, th- that whole album is really good. Uh, even though I I'm not the biggest fan of it, but again, like still super good. Yeah, and and it just it, it yeah. great beats, great production, and it just it clicks so many hip hop you know boxes that I look for in hip hop. And one yeah. of the few instances in hip hop where I don't. Uh, I would say I like the the skits, or at least I think they fit more and that they're creative. Uh, still not a, a skit fan. They're my least I mean, favorite the, parts of the album. They're they're really like the, I mean, the skits in Mad Villainy aren't really skits per se, as like or at least like as much as some other skits. And like like I'm thinking of like those little interludes that like Wu Tang does and Enter the Wu Tang. Um, you know, where, where it's like, you know, somebody's got a gun and, like, you know, they're all yelling about it. But, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, 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 that's a classic one. I really like that one. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying, like, the, the ones that are in Mad Villainy are more like, you know, kind of, you know, like you said, they, they, they relate to the overall concept uh, pretty well. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like they last too long anyway. And I think they're, they're pretty entertaining, just all things considered. Yeah. Which I think that's why most skits are like, they try so hard for comedy and just are not good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
not not big fan of skits either. Um, so my, my final album is, uh, you know, actually an album that I just listened to today. I actually just recently bought it. Uh, not to say I, I used to own it, but I ended up selling it because I'm a dumbass. And it is uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong's album, Ella and Louis. It's just, uh, it's basically just an album of just jazz standards. It's them doing duets. You know, Louis playing some trumpet, you know. Do it playing down those satchmo vocals sometimes. You, they, they, there's actually a uh, there's there's an instance of Ella trying to do a satchmo impression, I think, which is really funny to listen to. Uh, she does it really well, but it, it's it, you know, I, I I chose this album because I think it's just a really, um, I think it's a good laid back like you know just kind of like start your day type of album. I think it'd be fun to listen to. Uh, you know, it's. It, it, it's nothing like super challenging um, but it's still like really enjoyable and I, I think it's good to have a, like a you know at least something that isn't like you know over your head dense yeah. that you're trying to figure out um, just you know have something that's fun so nice so what do you got for your last one good sir this is you know, I assume also shouldn't come as a surprise at least you know after I say it uh, you know huge sentimental album for Lauren and I one of my favorite folk albums and just you know contemporary albums period uh, I love you honey bear by Father John Misty yeah like just a great uh, obviously pulls from 60 70 songwriters uh, you know really gorgeous well arranged and composed folk you know I love the lyrics love the love his personality uh, definitely the the pinnacle of his career and uh you know his young career um and it's 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 an album that my fiance and i have listened to more times than i can count means a lot to our relationship and just us personally this was uh one of the first albums i wrote down for that reason yeah i i I figured this album would be on here uh and that isn't to say that i i I think you would pick you you have some normie picks or anything like that i i just i know how much you love that album like i can still remember being at your uh your college graduation party and having that playing in the background, yeah. um, which is which is kind of funny considering like half of your family was there. So yeah, um, it's it. I I definitely forget sometimes when I like I'll I'll re-listen to it after a little you know a little while and be like oh yeah the lyrics in this can be a little yeah, risque but, but like, to say the, the least. The thing is like you know nobody listens to lyrics anymore. Yeah, so which hopefully people at the that party were not doing yeah. that because some of the lyrics are, are a little a little much but yeah let's talk about albums of the week then scoot do you got an album of the week for me uh went down to cape cod and whenever i go somewhere new or you know, for me, i or whenever i go somewhere for vacation or just away try to go to at least one record store uh bought a couple of cool cds that just happened to have been mentioned in different contexts in the previous week which was interesting that uh, you know those connections were made the first one uh, i'd written something for uh, a column that's gonna be coming out um on heavy blog i wrote, wrote something about afi uh okay. i won't tell you what it's about but spoiler alert i mean i'm, I'm assuming it's going to be very salty yeah, uh, spoiler alert, not super positive. But in that in that blurb, I mentioned how the band kind of over their career uh, evolved into uh, their version of a band that clearly influenced them early in their career. They covered a song by this uh, band called uh, Hanging Garden, or Hanging Gardens, The Hanging Garden. 
I forget. Okay. Um, and I happened to see the album that that song originally came out on, which was Pornography by The Cure. Um, oh. it, th- I mean, I was familiar with Hang Garden because uh, AFI had covered it, and generally I just yeah. think it's a great song. Uh, it is a great song. And the only Cure album I have is Disintegration, which obviously is... Yeah, uh, th- th- that's that's a big mistake on your part. It's cons- <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, it's considered their best by a lot of people. I really like it, but I think that there's uh, much more of the band's style that I would like to explore in pornography. Uh, really noisy, noisier than I thought it would be. It's yeah. just like really abrasive, but also like beautiful and just. I think I never really embraced the post punk sub or the post punk goth rock subgenre slash fusion of cold wave, but like it really like clicked for me like the the idea or the kind of the headspace of that subgenre, which is often ascribed mm. as the Cure's music of some other artists. Uh, fantastic album, you know. Just it was weird that yeah. that was in my head. And not only did I find an affordable Cure album that uh, I wanted to buy, but it happened to be the album that I referenced in that piece. So yeah, there you no, go. It's, I the, it, the pornography is actually probably my favorite Cure album. Um, I I think it's just so underrated mm-hmm. in a way. Like I mean, not to say that disintegration is bad by any means. Um, I've just really loved like pornography and like kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, uh, just a little more. Um, and Hanging Garden actually has one of my favorite lyrics uh, ever, which is uh, a creatures kissing in the rain. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, for some reason, I, I really love that line. Just creatures kissing in the rain. <laughs> just uh, something about the way Robert Smith says that, too. That I just, I really love it. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's a great pick, man. Um, so my pick is, uh, so well, basically, I was... I ended up buying a lot of CDs in like the past week, but uh, this one in particular really, um, I, I went into Bull Moose knowing that I was going to buy this thing, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be totally over the moon about it, but I ended up really liking it, and it's uh, The Dreaming by Kate Bush. Um, it's generally considered like her most experimental avant-garde release. It's it's a very bizarre album. I think uh, part of it is because Bush um, she produced the entire album herself. Uh, so you know, th- th- there's a lot of interesting production choices that I'll admit don't always go over well. But it was a really interesting listen, and it just makes me really um, excited to listen to the rest of Kate Bush's discography because uh, I've just I've yet to listen to an album of hers that I dislike. So. Nice. Yeah, super good. And um, yeah, so we will be back with part two uh, next week. And thanks for listening. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested... Uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. 
And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.